Country Podcast Edition. I've always been around great songwriters and artists my whole life. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Aldean, and you are listening to my boy Michael Knox on Knox Country Podcast. Welcome to the Knox Country Syndicated Radio Show Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael Knox. I got Shalacey Griffin in the house. Happy to be here. This week, we have Ashley Gorley in the studio. Ashley Gorley is one of the most sought-out songwriters in town, and um, we're going to talk about everything he's been involved in. You can't drive down Music Row without seeing banners with his name or photo on it. Ashley, I've known you a long time, dude. I mean, I've known you a real long time. Yes, sir. We were talking earlier. You came out of the Belmont crew. I did, yes. Belmont University. Now, back then when you were doing that, was there like a crew of guys that are now still in the business together and kind of hanging out? Or was it more just like a bunch of faces you didn't know and y'all were just kind of bumping into each other later? Well, we knew we knew of each other or knew each other and we still do. Ben Vaughn, of course, published me forever. Rusty Gaston, um, Jeremy Stover, uh, Melissa Pierce was my first real country co-write. Uh, we just kind of messed around down in the piano rooms and tried to come up with a few things. So there's been people that definitely i love still seeing out doing their thing you know ben running the show at warner and rusty doing his thing especially just publishing wise watching them on the business side really kind of take over has been fun so you're at belmont you've graduated you've done your thing what brought that to being a songwriter in nashville i mean where where was that transition (laughs) well the transition was from just a huge music fanatic mtv junkie like a countdown recording teenager you know what i mean i was just obsessed with like gosh what makes this song so awesome you know like how did this even happen how did it get to my ears and uh i would always want to know like what's what's number one like what's top 10 what's what's happening like why is this song so popular so i would just kind of start digging into that toward the end of high school um and learning that there were writers of songs that weren't always it wasn't just the artists who singing them that wrote them and that whole thing that nobody really knows until you start digging into it I was also at the time like DJing R&B hip hop stuff for parties and dances and loved that entire scene and culture and like old 90s R&B hip hop is like I love that stuff so I'm, I'm a junkie for that um, so a very strange kind of path you know from that type of music but also knowing there was some country music and my, and my parents would always have CMAs on every year if that was going on it wasn't a big musical household there was nobody standing around the piano singing hymns or anything like that yeah um, it was kind of AM radio in the car was what we got. But I, I was in my bedroom, headphones on, just listening through everything I'd get my hands on. So um, kind of went from a music lover to knowing that, all right, if I'm going to go to college, I want to be in some type of music industry thing, figuring it would probably be on the business end or maybe on the studio end. But I didn't really have a good grasp on it. Belmont was the only college I applied for and went to, you know. Yeah. Too scared to go to L.A., too far away. I'm from uh, Kentucky, really close, about three and a half hours from from the school so i didn't know anybody in the state of tennessee so i just kind of picked it out and uh was like okay i want to do a music business major whatever that is i want to know about business but i want to these other classes seemed production studio all that seemed cool so um the more i took that stuff the less scientific i realized i was <laughs> the, less, <laughs> the less i kept making tracks and stuff which is what i started out doing yeah um and the more i fell in love with nashville and it's music and the melody and lyric component of the whole thing. Well, so being the kinda, track guy, so what other instruments do you play? Mostly keyboards and programming was the first thing. It was just that, you know, but now I got a guitar after I moved here. And so anything that's strung like a guitar is okay. Bass, I can lay down if I have to, if nobody's watching. Um, <laughs> so all that stuff I can, I can find my way around on mandolin. I used to play uh, 
played live drums for just a hot second in elementary school in a couple of cases, but I couldn't really figure all that out. So mostly piano is the one I love. That's like my, my yeah. true thing I like to write on, or if I do a writer's night or something, then I would play piano. So were you doing a lot of writing? Uh, like, how did you get that first deal, that first person to kind of come by and go, hey, man, I love what you're doing? And, you know, I, I interned at a lot of publishing companies. Publishing was fascinating to me. When I took that class, I didn't even know what it was till I got in there. Um, and then when they talked about staff songwriting and they referenced some people that weren't amazing musicians and couldn't read music and weren't the best singers in the world but were making up these songs that were awesome, then at some point it, the switch flipped and I said, I'm doing that. You know, that's what I want to do. And I chased it, you know, as hard as I could until I, <laughs> until I made it happen finally. And there were a few guys... There was like a tryout of like songs. It was like the second country song I ever wrote, and it made it into some Vince Gill uh, basketball game. They used to have this benefit at Belmont. Yeah, yeah. And one of my friends, who I thought was a really good singer, uh, he's like, "I need a song." It was like literally a little microcosm of the way I wish it was this easy right now. But he's <laughs> like, "Oh yeah," I'm like, "Hey, I'm a great singer." I'm like, "Cool, I, I write songs." He's like, "Well, give me one. I need something for the event." They picked me to sing at it. I'm like, well, here's a couple. And they're like the only two I had. It was a terrible song, but he sang it <laughs> in front of all these people. And I was like, wow, there's like people clapping. Like people know, you know what I mean? This made, this was a vehicle for him to do what he wanted to do. And that was really cool for me to be like, okay, I'm kind of part of this, yet I'm still in the in yeah. the stands and nobody knows I am. I don't have to get up on stage. Yeah, I don't have to play this even. This is perfect. You know what I mean? So that all in my head kind of locked it in there. That's probably my sophomore, junior year. And a guy named Corey Gearman, who I know you know, you guys know, um, was the first guy. Um, at school to be like hey I th- he like either heard that song he heard like a little five song demo I'd done and just songs I wrote by myself and had other people sing that were recorded at school and he was like uh, for some reason felt like I could turn into something and gave me a, a shot kept asking me to write more songs hey let me hear some more stuff so that was kind of the fuel uh, for me and he ended up signing me right out of college for a uh, way before I should have been signed for a writing deal a company called Broad Vision what was the first deal you got, first publishing deal you got then? And I signed with Combustion Music. Yeah, there you go. At the end of 2001. Yeah, that that's when I that's started like the th- Yeah, because before I, nobody knew, we were just like, you know, trying to learn how to swim before that. But well, dude, you're, 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 you're like the Kenny Chesney of songwriters. I mean, you outwork everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, you know. Gotta outwork people if the talent's not there, you know. So I, whatever <laughs> I make, whatever, whatever, I, whatever I don't have on the raw talent in, I try to make up for yeah, with Mr. hustle and grinding. Thirty-eight number one. Yeah, there's you know no I mean, talent. But, I, but I've always, I've always <laughs> never been scared to work hard, and I, I really wanted. Uh, there's no plan B for me. Once, once the fire was lit, then I was gonna figure out a way to do it. So yeah, but you have a different type of domino. Like some people get hot and they'll have two or three cuts in a year, right? Things like that. I mean, your domino dude is. Is, is one of the most impressive ones I've ever seen. I mean, going almost 40 number ones in your career so far, and you're still right. a damn kid. You know, <laughs> well, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's been it's been really fun. I'm, I'm really humbled by it, especially lately that it keeps, that things keep happening. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't really burn out songwriting-wise, and I have so many different, I feel like, different types of music, different influences and things, and different artists that yeah. have allowed me to work with them, and different producers that will listen to the songs that... It hasn't run out yet, you know, so I like to try new things and to adapt. I don't get stuck in a, you know, when I'm writing songs, I'm always really trying to service the artist, you know, so there's no, I never want to be an artist. I was never in a band. Uh, I never like played out to like, I want to be the singer, anything like that. So um, I think that's a little bit of a difference there. Like I always want to just find the voice they want and supply them with it, you know. Well, what was your first number one? The first one, yeah. And I'd been writing for seven years. Um, 
which was the first thing somebody told me. My first co-write was with David Lee. Not David Lee Murphy, but David Lee. If you remember him, had, yep. had some hits here for a while. I think he's in Texas now. But um, he, he said, hey, he, was, he wanted to give me some wisdom, you know, because I, I had no idea what was happening in that room. I was just trying to go for it. And he was like, hey, make sure you got patience, man. He said, take seven years from – they get a deal to have a hit. It took exactly seven years for me. That's great. So but I always had that in my head, like, all right, I guess I'm just got to grind for a and while. which this song was happened. that? It was Don't Forget to Remember Me, Carrie Underwood, which is like Perfect Storm. She won Idol. I was a huge fan. I, we watched Idol like, you know, like we would hang out with friends and watch Idol. Yeah. You know, was, we were like all about it. I'm like, I've got to get a song on this girl. She's killing it. Yeah, that wasn't a bad first um, number one. No, no, no. Oh, no. that was back, you know, album's still selling and all that kind of stuff. So it was like... <laughs> An amazing thing, and that that was that was a very surreal moment for me, especially I think just coupled with her being kind of already a TV, like watching the whole career and then being able to interject a song there in the middle of it was a very cool cool thing for us. So you got Carrie's number one, you know, and then and now people are starting to go, hey, I need to write with this guy because there is a different level being a new writer and a writer with a number one. True. Yes. And you know what though? That I think it happens a little more now, but then it's not like all of a sudden a role started. Um, that song probably got recorded in 04, 05, came out in 06. I guess in 05 and came out in 06 as a hit. And then I think it was 08 that I started getting a couple um, more. It's almost like I, I earned co-writes a lot of times by getting an outside song with the person first. I was never like, I didn't yeah. go to high school with any of these people. I didn't know them. So even with Carrie, like when her next album came around, I had one co-writing appointment. That was kind of all I could get. I was still new. So I was like, they're like, all right, we'll give you one day. Yeah. See if you can luck up again. We wrote All American Girl. There was a number, another number one with Kelly Lovelace and her, thankfully. Um, and then that helps kind of take it off from there. So same thing with like Brad Paisley and um, Luke Bryan, a lot of those guys where, you know, they hear your songs, they like your songs, then they, they kind of invite you into the into the rooms there for a minute. Well, do you find yourself being a, a, a better chameleon with a lot of different things or do you have kind of a crew that you're kind of always approaching these rights with no i'm chameleon i I love to i have to like almost write in a different room every day and have a different task if i could be doing three at once i would you know like anything anything to i thrive kind of on the madness of it so if i know there's a little bit of pressure or uh you know something like that then i'll i'll do better if i could leave one right and go do something completely different you know, so you're I'd, one of them guys where they'll call and go hey man can we get together from eight in the morning to 10 and then i got another one at 10 30 to one yeah i'm one of those that would say like like that was a story on a song of dirt on my boots that we yep. wrote for john party red akins who definitely ain't getting up at seven in the morning usually um i remember me and him and jesse fraser wanted to get together i can't remember if we kind of did for a minute and we didn't get to write anything we we're like man we got to do this combo it'd be cool and i was like well I'm, I was like booked like crazy. I said, well, man, like Thursday I could do it, but we got to start at eight. I got to be somewhere at 8, 11. And uh, then Rhett was like two. He didn't, I was like, I'm coming. And Jesse said, I'm in. And Rhett was like, crap, if y'all are in, then I'm going to do it too. I don't want to miss it. You know, so <laughs> we wrote that that way. Um, what Makes You Country song that's out right now was a right from seven to 1030 in the morning or something like that. At Luke's yeah. house. So there, there are some of those early morning things that happen. Now, sometimes I'll, I'll need three days to go in. It just depends on what it is, you know. If it's a song that shouldn't be overthought, then I like to have a quick window to do it in. And if it's a different kind of song, then I need to hang out for a week with the artist. It just depends on what's what's happening, you know? Do you find that being more that element with the artist than another writer, where you got to go back and revisit it a few times? Yeah, I'll, uh, it just depends. Um, certain songs, it takes me a while. I mean, I'm hard to... It's like harder for me to get an idea 
that I think is worth actually chasing now that we've had enough. And I know a lot of the artists and the producers and what they're looking for, the bar keeps kind of getting raised. So a lot of times I'll start three and they get thrown in the trash and then we get on one at three o'clock, you know, by the end of the day, then we actually start one we like and we have to get back together or whatever. So, um, but I, I like the, like, I like to write sometimes with writers. So there's three just writers in the room, come up with the best thing you can in the room that day and pitch it. And it have like a, a magic moment of, Oh, we didn't even realize this was perfect for this person. Um, more and more I'm called in sessions where it's specified like alright we're either targeting this or the artist is there and I'm trying to you know input my vibe in the situation well just to you know get some of this information you know you started turning a corner man where you were really just getting cut after cut after cut hit after hit after hit I mean when that's coming at you I mean it's got to be a lot to handle I mean yes. I, it, it's exciting <laughs> But it's also got to be a lot of pressure, too. Yeah, it's definitely less pressure when nobody's expecting you to really succeed in the room, which is the way <laughs> it was forever. I mean, that was like a great moment. I always tell, you know, I have, I have writers signed to me, to my company or whatever, and they're in this fun stage. I'm watching it happen where they think they can, you know, they're shooting at the moon trying to hit it. And if they don't, it's like, well, I didn't think we would anyway. You know, it's just like this good amount of pressure they're putting on their self, but not like, hey, this artist needs a first single and they've got four hours on Friday. Yeah. Um, can you do that thing where you write real fast and spit it out? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I do it on cue. <laughs> this is Ashley Gorley, and you're listening to Knox Country Podcast. Um, so there, there has been pressure like that where I've been in situations where I had to write fast, and then before you know it, then you're expected to just yell out some hit, and I, which I can't always do where do you get your inspiration Man, I, don't, I mean different places you know like i'm in a lot of a lot of life phases are happening right now i got a 14 year old daughter i got a, a boy that just started to drive i come from um you know a small town so all the stuff in these songs we actually went through there were parties in fields and there are people on tailgates and all the stuff that people sometimes don't really think happened uh, we lived all that stuff you know yeah. so uh, i think growing up that way but also having a sense of um a huge appreciation for R&B and melody and cadence and rhythms and things like that is kind of where the melting pot um, happens for the stuff that, you know, where I come from and, and or as far as coming from an artistic place. But uh, different things. I would say books, but I can't read but about three pages in a row before the words get blurry and I can't <laughs> I can't tune in. But, you know, movies, shows, conversations. Yeah. I and mean, I hear a lot of stuff in conversations. And I'm uh, fortunate to have a lot of close friends, so we, we talk about stuff, real stuff. And, um, you know, topics come up from there a lot of times it's very inspired by music now too somebody will have a vibe or a thing and we just keep on grinding until we find out what that sounds like it should be saying i'm a big believer in that what's your 90s r&b go-to song oh anything like Babyface wrote or uh boys to men or jimmy jam <laughs> terry lewis teddy riley new jack swing whip a pill come on uh, yeah there you go any of that i went to this show he was here like uh, last week or two I really hung out with him yeah yeah <laughs> he's amazing all that stuff is like a like that's mind-blowing that's super musical like it's so hard to follow that stuff well you've had these three segments let's say in your career you had the the beginning and then you had mm -hmm. where you're in this groove and now you're the veteran you know do, do you find your personality fitting in one of those better than you know better than the other one or do you like being a little bit of an underdog or do you like being the veteran i like being the veteran that still plays the whole game you know what i mean like the guy that's not like hobbling around but also is still making an impact so I'm, I'm i'm not in a place where it's like oh i don't feel like writing i just want to sit back and take you know like 
a label job not that that would be bad or anything like that um because that stuff's come up before because i like a and i like artist development i like all that but i'm definitely down to have a few days occasionally where i'm not just writing a song you know um where i'm helping artists find their voice or we're we're signing and developing new talent and trying to match it up and get it get it signed a label so i like doing a little bit of all of it I'm, i'm at my best when when the schedule looks like that you know meeting with an artist manager i'm supposed to work with to cultivate something with and then a quick you know meeting with a president of a label where we're talking about maybe signing an act and then we go over here and do this and then we're listening to one of my guys songs and yeah. then i've got to write for five hours like all that all that at the same time is good I, I do like the place where i'm at now because there is a little bit less like there's a guy there's there's people if i'm writing with some of these artists that i'm now friends with if we don't get it we don't get it i don't feel like that's the last time i'm going to see that person yeah i also am in a good place having had the success if there's somebody like sam hunt eric church um artists that i really respect i don't think oh my god my first thought is not how can i get i know these people how am i not on these records how am i not in the rooms with them it's more like hey they don't need me stuff sounds amazing like i appreciate what they're doing and i'm just going to congratulate them and go on which is a which is a more comfortable place to be in so i'm i'm not mad at the place i'm at right now you don't have to prove yourself right yeah like where you get you're getting these asks and it can be pressure like you said a while back um and sometimes that does get to me, like the stress of like trying to come up with something new after writing 2,000 songs or whatever yeah. it is. You know, that, that can be a thing. Well, and it's awesome to be able to pick what you do now. Yeah, yeah. When before, sometimes you're thrown in there and you're like, oh, yes. man, I mean, I don't even want to be here. Right. But I got to perform right. and, and, and do my part. Yeah. You know, because I've done that in production where you're producing a record and you're like, man, I wish I wish I wouldn't have taken this one on. Right. You know, I'm just not feeling it. But you still got to finish it. But that goes back to your ADD way of, of songwriting. Absolutely. yes. You got to have other things. It's like having the ceiling fan on. You got to have mm-hmm. that going on in order to relax right. yeah. and do something else. Yeah, and even if I'm relaxing, it's an active thing I'm doing. I don't want to, like, chill out. It's like we're either playing pick-up basketball or we're playing cards or we're taking it some crazy trip adventure where we're trying to make sure everything happens in this three-hour time span. I love any kind of challenge like that. Um, it's how I relax, but it's a it's a sweet spot right now, and it has been you know for a few years. Um, I will say at the beginning, it's fun to just be figuring out what's going on, you know, a little bit more than than it being expected like it is sometimes now. But um, that that's a really fun spot too, is like kind of beating the odds. Whereas now you go in there, it's like, hey, you better what amazing thing did you get? I'm like, actually, we completely struck out, you know? Yeah. And that still happens. And that happens no more now than it used to. Really? Yeah. Actually, I have a question here. Yeah. Do, you, yeah, do you still write stinkers? Oh, yeah. Well, no, I just don't finish them anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, always, I always say, like, like the, the, the scale of songwriting is like, well, at first, you write the whole song, you think it's amazing, and three months later, you figure out, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then as you get better... As soon as you get the demo the next day, you realize, why did I write this? Mm-hmm. And then and then as time goes by, you don't even put the song on the demo session, you know, <laughs> or you don't even demo the song. And then eventually you get to where we are now where, like, we can see down the road or I can see down the road, like, this idea is not going to go anywhere. Let's try something else. So it's just like you start other songs quicker. That's good. <laughs> the more time <laughs> that goes by. So, yeah, but we, we've done a lot of things where we'll write a song for three or four hours. I have no problem deleting the whole session and starting over because I'm not going to play You know, if I'm not comfortable playing it to so-and-so, to, Michael Knox or whoever's producing or, or the artist himself texting it and be like, I think you should record this. Then uh, a lot of those don't get turned in anymore. Well, I know people like him appreciate that. Oh, well, <laughs> well, I mean, even I do for my, yeah. even my guys know my writers would know like, Hey, turn everything in. But when you have something amazing, text me, you know that, you know, like yeah. we try to create that gauge that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where you, where you kind of know where that bar is. Yeah. Well, and also, um, 
a great song to you now is different than it was a while back. Mm-hmm. You know, your gut feeling is telling you that. You know, it's yeah, like, hey, yeah. man, I need to finish this or I don't need to finish right, this. Right, right, right. Yeah, that happens a little more now. So are you wanting to get into production more? Yeah, I mean, I produce some stuff. I mean, a little bit production is so, which you would surely attest to, it takes a long time. I, I have found out. I will co-produce things if I'm capturing some kind of sound that I think would influence the record, you know. Um, and that's fun. I like to be in the studio. But the sweet spot for me is get the template and know that it's not a record, but know that you or whoever is going to take it to that place and make it sound amazing because that work takes longer than usually than writing the song. Yeah. And so I like to go on to the next thing. So I like to be in. I don't like write the song and just give it up like, oh, this can sound however. We usually we usually provide a pretty good roadmap. That part's really fun to me, but I like that it has a hard end to it. Like, hey, we got to demo this. This session's over at one o'clock. Um, it would be hard for me to ever be satisfied by a final, final, final. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. When it's a record, I would just be like, oh, maybe we should get that again. What if we tried this? What if we tried that? I'd drive myself crazy. So I like producing um, demos. Now, if, if I went in with an artist, like I've co-produced some stuff lately on a couple of new artists because I think the sound is super fresh and I think I have to, uh, there's some stuff that I need to bring to the table. That's really fun. But just yeah. to produce somebody that already has a sound doesn't interest me well now in today's world too but because you came up as a track guy kind of turned into a songwriter now you're back doing some tracks again and now you're going out and doing some djing well that's been full yeah the yeah. track stuff i put away i just now i couldn't make a track in front of you for a million dollars i just don't i don't have the new stuff i don't know how to do that now i used to do it on um different stuff different software but i do always have opinions i probably drive the the producers and track guys crazy because i know i know what's happening i have opinions on how that music sounds and i did get the chance to come full circle and dj old school 90s r&b hip-hop um just this past fall which was amazing for like you a little jesse frazier right yeah me and jesse we co we kind of um got to open for thomas rett and we went on right before he uh he went on and he was selling out all the arenas it was amazing it's a nice nice slot oh it was super <laughs> fun yeah and, and that set we did was like a throwback set so it's not going to fail. Everybody's already there to have a good time, and they can't. What can they do? You know? Yeah, and, and can't talk, boo us off. Talking to Rhett, I mean, wouldn't like Thomas Rhett sort of raised on? Oh yeah, on yeah, yeah. No, well. it was all, all this. It was the perfect combination. Plus, the reason we did that is we were out there also writing this new album that's coming out. A lot of that. Um, Thomas is one of those guys that I've I've connected with, you know, and we've become tight, you know, as friends also. But musically, we we write very similar with each other, so we probably wrote 30, 40 songs, like more than I normally would with an artist for. Um, for a project, but it was something I was so interested in him, him evolving and watching him kind of from uh, from the beginning that I, I really felt invested in that. That's really fun. I love doing that just with a handful of people, just maybe two or three people ever um, to go in that deep with. But he he was one of those that it was really fulfilling this past year to be able to do that. Knox Country Podcast Edition. <laughs> Some of you know me as a record producer for acts like Jason Aldean and Thomas Rhett. Others know me as the son of rock and roll legend Buddy Knox, party doll fame, back in 1957. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. You're listening to Knox Country. Hey, this is Keith Urban. What's up, y'all? It's your boys here, Florida Georgia Line. Hey, this is Little Big Town. And you're listening to Knox Country. You've entered Knox Country. Welcome back to the Knox Country Podcast. Well, looking over your list of a lot of the songs, I just pulled out a couple of them that I personally really like. Do I Make You Wanna? The Billy Currington thing. Yeah. I I play that on the show all the time. Awesome. And I never knew you wrote it. I hate to tell you. No, I'm not a big look at writers guy. I just play songs. But um, 
But that one, you know, how do things like that come about? I mean, because those things are some of the highest recurrent songs yeah find. that one i mean i had the single after that and it went to about number 60 because they wouldn't stop playing that one which is <laughs> it was like wow um and it died immediately uh, it's like thanks i was like uh yeah but hoping hoping for both but um well billy's one of those artists that records you know his voice is so great on stuff so when we wrote that i got to write that with jerry flowers and matt jenkins and zach crowell and they were all part of the tape room family our 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 company so we were all hanging out they kind of started a groove and, and done some stuff, the three of them, and invited me in to just kind of check out what they're doing, see what it could turn into. So that one was really special because that was a time where we were just trying to write something we thought was awesome and catchy, you know? Um, didn't have anybody in mind while we were doing it, uh, but just kind of got that done. that's a smooth track, just, too. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it had a little different vibe. And Zach and Jerry did great on that. Jerry plays everything. He's you know, Keith Urban's band leader and everything. So super musical and it just felt really good. So that that's one of those things that renews hope in just songwriting in general to be like, are we wasting our time today? We don't have any artists here. We don't have a target. We're just writing. That's one of those we can look back on and be like, man, that was just our crew. Um, There's no politics there. We sent it. The label loved it. Billy said, yeah. And they ended up putting it out. So that that's, we need those every now and then. I think, I think those are so important when those come through it makes up for the 500 that didn't, you know, that mm-hmm. hit the wall. <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, you know, Al Dean is real good friends with Dallas Davidson. Yeah. And Dallas has probably played us a million songs, literally like a million songs. <laughs> he ain't afraid. And his first cut was Tonight Looks Good on You with yeah. you, you know. That's and, right. Uh, and, and it <laughs> was just leaving out part of the equation, man. That's, that's it. That's it. it. There, he, there he goes. He and, knows uh, now. <laughs> you know, and that's probably one of my, mine and Jason's, one of our favorite songs. Yes. And it's a big recurrent one, too. Man, that, that was the day. I mean, writing that song, we started, we had a whole song going, and I was just like, I always like to leave the room, come back in, and then we kind of say, this is a terrible waste of time, or let's stay on it. So that was like after writing two, three quarters of the way finished songs, we landed on that and then it just kind of took shape and like this we think this is special so that was an example of one of those type days again we weren't sure who was for till it was over and then we we're like oh my gosh jason sound amazing on this dallas is like yes yeah. <laughs> and th- that's fun too because that was a time where I, I mean really if we were thinking about jason we would try to ride an up tempo certain mm-hmm. you know like a rocky kind of thing and then it was fun to just kind of take the you know take the bullseye off for a minute and just see what came out yeah. of of that hook and that title so yeah that, that was that's a great record there and another one that i really like you know luke bryan has two different sides you know he's got kind of a quirky side and then he's got this play it again side which is i think one of your co-writes too Mm -hmm. and man that's what brings me into luke's career when he does those kind of songs and i was looking at the list and yours are a lot of those kind of things yeah we had i mean we've we've got that hit now that's out but there was a run there was a magic run of like the crash my party through a song called kick the dust up where we had a lot of those uh songs either and a couple of them written with Luke, but for the most part, they were just pitches, and nobody even knew. Like, he didn't even know I wrote some of those when I was with him, like you are. He's literally listening to, you know, for the song, for the song's sake, most of the time. Um, and he just ha- it just happened to be the right, whatever I was doing was whatever he wanted to do there for yeah. a couple of years, which I'm very thankful for. Well, the What Makes You Country is awesome, too. It's a different and, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah. So, yeah, there, that era there of the Play It Again stuff, we were really excited. And I wrote that with Dallas, speaking of him, just me and Dallas. Um, co-writer what is that yeah, is a co-writer a thing is that oh yeah <laughs> does that mean two or does I know that, that, those don't happen very much anymore. <laughs> just me and him with, in, with real, in, real live instruments <laughs> who didn't show up that's right no there was nothing we've, we've had a few of those but that that one was a uh, special because we just really set out I tell my writers this too I said we had our goal that day was to write somebody's favorite song 
And he said, don't stop messing around on the keyboard till we just have something that we think somebody would sing along to. And that's really, we didn't have a hook or anything. We had a hook. Well, we had one, but it was called This Is Our so- This is My Song or something like that, which turned into play again by the end of it. But um, yeah, that one we're really thankful for. I mean, that seeing him do that live and the amount, all that energy from that album especially was just really fuel to me. That was yeah. just uh, a perfect marriage there during that during that era of his uh, career. Well, that was a lot of cuts on him. Oh, yeah, which are not easy. Yeah, those, those just, yeah, that was a... Uh, be hard to top that <laughs> <laughs> well a guy who don't get a lot of credit is randy hauser yeah you know that running Great out of singer. Mo- yeah running yeah. out of moonlight i mean mm-hmm. when he sings it i mean uh, who sang the demo i mean who who did that dallas did uh, dallas sing that demo i mean i mean because um, randy goes for it dude yeah yeah well, it's more of a template he kind of owned it it's not yeah. like somebody's um trying to represent randy and again that was another one it's it's cool that you're bringing these up it makes me want to do more normal writing sessions but that was just a hook and a right yeah. and uh thomas red had that luke had that a lot of guys wanted it's like everybody knew that was a hit and they're just trying to figure out who um who it was best for i even think i think randy like called saying he wanted to cut it the next day like monday and we let him have it when somebody else had it on hold oh, not that you should do that very often <laughs> yeah but uh but it was one of the, it was one of those things where when the artist is that fired up and yeah. you know he was, it was like oh my gosh that would sound perfect you know um and so that was one of those songs that was was hot for a minute. We knew from when we demoed it that it had had a nice little amount of catchiness to it. Well, let's get to these these things that are called triple play awards. Good lord! Oh, okay. Now, how many triple play awards have you won? Do you uh, know? I don't know. I have counted. Hold on, twelve. That sounds right. They they we just had triple play awards. Yeah, not you too won long one. Ago. So yeah. I think it's thirteen. Or is that the twelfth one he just won a few Probably weeks ago? Tw- yeah, I don't think thirteen. I think that's the twelfth. But also in twenty sixteen, you became the first songwriter to win three triple play awards in one year. Right. Yes. I mean that's insane. So what what does that make you feel like when you're when you're going there <laughs> and, 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 like and you're there peaked. with <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and you're going there and you're like yeah man I've won this is my second time and you're like yeah I'm I'm here twelve right uh, right no no that that's not taken for granted at all it's it's weird when they gave me that last time and announced me last and gave some of those stats I don't I don't keep up with that stuff mm-hmm. so I was like well okay that's cool but the, the those times like I tell people all the time it sounds like you're just trying to be humble or something but the truth is those songs just come out when they come out you know they yeah. they exist right. so sometimes they switch a single to something you didn't write sometimes the song peaks at number two and loses number one by a couple of plays it's not less influential on the yeah. you know in the scheme of, of music so some of that stuff I take a little bit of a grain of salt like well cool that went probably had this other better song that didn't go but this one happened to be you know catch fire be, be behind the right song at the right time kind of so mm-hmm. I'm I'm very aware of some of the mechanisms that make all that stuff happen. But the Triple Play Awards is having three singles in one yeah, in one 12-month period, yeah. three number ones in a 12-month period, and you've had that multiple times in one year. Right. So what's the most number ones you've had in a 12-month period? That now I got nine those two years in a row. I mean, that's crazy, um, dude. 18 singles in 24 months. I mean, that's right. that's nuts. Number that's, one. That, yeah, number that, one. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. See, no, 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 no. See, but, no, but, but I mean, crazy. that throws you back to like Kim Williams of the 90s right. where they were no, having it, these um, 12 singles in a year or something. It's a matter of writing too much, which I do, and then just writing so many different things. Like I, I do I do love working, like we talked about earlier, on different things and being all over the map, you yeah. know, as different as we could get. Um, but that's special, and, and yeah, if you can't, yeah, do. and so that's that's how that happens. Some people are writing, so maybe they're getting one song here; it's the biggest song ever, and that's just how they would they like to operate in that way and write less and write when they're inspired. And I, I like the game of it and the 
competition of it. I, I relate it, you know, more that way. It makes it more fun for me, you know, yeah. to do that. So I like to work with a bunch of different artists, not just to get, oh, I want to get songs on everybody, but I actually like going in and checking out everybody's different process, everybody's different voice, and being like, oh, this person should sing this type of melody or this idea is better for this person. Um, so that was those were a couple of magical years where I think maybe half or a little less than half of those were written with the artist and the other ones were pitches, which is, is really cool. So I was, on, I was on the grind there for a minute. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's Shalacy. Check us out on the web at KnoxCountry360.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KnoxCountry360. Now, is there an artist out there that you haven't gotten a single on or haven't been able to write with that you just, I want to? I want to get a number one with this person. Or, yeah. or just a cut. Or just a cut. Yeah, you know, I know... I- not, that sounds bad. Not really. I mean, it would be great to. Uh, I had a George Strait cut one time that I wanted to be on the radio because it was awesome. Called "If the Whole World Was a Honky Tonk," that I thought was really cool. <laughs> There's been some times where I've gotten you know cuts or gotten songs by some of those artists that'd be cool to to have seen those come to light. I almost I had a song Alan Jackson almost cut one time. I never got to you know see that happen. Um, Garth Brooks, which I haven't you know I've gotten close on some of that stuff. Those are like those bucket list people. But right now, like I said before, like people like I know Chris Stapleton. He doesn't need to, you know, he's not needing, wanting for anything. And so I would rather just like say, congrats, dude. And that's it, yeah. you know, and leave that alone. So I don't, it doesn't keep me up at You're night if I don't. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not chasing, but I'm, I'm down. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, and sometimes stuff will come along and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I know what their next album should, some stuff they should tackle on the next thing. And then I will try to get in those um, scenarios. But most artists, I'm very fortunate to get to work with. Um, and then sometimes it's like people come out of nowhere, you know, if it's like Luke Combs writing songs yeah. with his buddies. So I didn't know Luke. He already had a fall. I didn't know that. So I don't expect him to just be like, hey, come here and write this yeah. next album with me. Well, I will, though, if he's listening. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> Luke. Yeah, yeah, but he's so nice and so f- humble and funny. Like, I played a couple of shows with him or whatever. Uh, and he would be great, some of those kind of guys. But I've been very fortunate. Even people like watching Carrie Underwood like win this show and be like, I want to work with her. And then writing a whole bunch of songs with her and for her. Well, it sounds um, like you just appreciate surreal. and have respect for the craft and just yeah. good songs. I go through I go it. through spurts where it's like when I'm focused on the right stuff, I'm like, hey, everything's all good. I don't have to be on everything. And then I have days where I'm calling my guys like, how am I not writing with all these 500 <laughs> people right now, tomorrow? What's happening? And your guy's um, like, really, dude? It, Come on. It ta- <laughs> yeah, it takes a little bit of both. So I do try to... <laughs> I do want to conquer the world, but then when I step back, then I'm very appreciative of like, like I'm, you know, if they say, "Hey, oh man, you never written with Miranda Lambert," I'm like, "Yeah," and I don't know if I'd chase that or not. I don't know if I'm the guy that she has to have on the, you know, now, hey, if she calls me in and wants to do a certain thing, uh, let's do that, you know. But yeah, um, I thankfully, it's a lot better and I think less stressful to appreciate things and not have to be a part of everything. I think you're doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I know uh, you say you're a guy that does all these different kinds of rights, all mm-hmm. these kind of things. Do you um, do you like riding on the road? I mean, do you like getting on the tour bus oh, and yeah, riding? Yeah. Yes. I like any kind of confinement. First of all, it's like nobody's going anywhere, which I love being trapped um, with artists and producers and stuff like that where nobody has to bail it to or me where I don't have to go do something. So there's something about being something about seeing the show and then writing that's very feels really right to me. Yeah. Because like, oh shoot, it kind of it kind of takes it up a notch in the obligation of like, hey, all these people pay a lot of money to come here. Let's not settle on this line or this melody or whatever. It, it kind of clicks in my head that way. And seeing the shows helped me a lot. Um, I don't go out on the road a ton because family stuff and because coaching basketball and everything like that. And I don't want to be gone. I actually like being at my house 
and hanging out and you know playing with kids and all that stuff that's like my favorite thing to do so um so do uh, a road thing you've really got to be you got to really have a connection with really have a connection now that said if i can take some time off i mean my perfect writing scenario would be i write three days a week 24 hours a day and not and never leave the studio you know what i mean like never even go home and even think or accept a call because i can really get immersed in it and i feel like i do really well we get a lot of songs if we go out on the road um because I'm not thinking mm-hmm. I can I can't go to this meeting or no I can't do this so I'm I'm like taken from that situation so I get to fully immerse myself in the in the creativity of it which I think is really fun to do we did that with Thomas Rhett and we've done it Dan and Shay and FGL and people like that on the road that are that are fun to watch the show and and hang and do all that stuff so I do that I probably do you know five or six runs like that a year sometimes it's been more it just depends on the people if yeah. I want to hang with them and and I love doing that but I also hate being gone so I try to kind of balance that so the writer camp thing that doesn't do much for you it just depends on what it is they can be amazing or they can be like why are we doing this you know it just depends on how random it is and how um fruitful it can be you should be here uh coast windale yeah i love that song Uh, what's the story with with, i mean i know the story behind it um yeah that was another uh and that was kind of a godsend you know i mean i was out there we were in um boston or fox uh, gillette stadium foxborough and Luke was playing a huge stadium show. Luke Bryan and Cole was just starting to work on his second album. And I went out because he's like, he's a great writer, first of all. He's a writer first, so he knows what's going on. He's not hanging out. He has 100 ideas ready to go. So um, we had written a couple things, just like good up-tempo hit-feeling things. But I remember that that night, uh, my daughter, who's a big country fan, loves concerts. Um, I had like taken some kind of picture or something like that. And knowing that she would love it, I just typed, you should be here and sent it, sent it to her. Um, and then as we all do songwriters I was like oh hang on that's pretty good that could be a title for something totally different though so I got back to the bus after the show um, after Cole went on and I was like hey I think I got an idea told him that idea and then that really did happen really fast maybe an hour or so that song was done because it was so close to him what he wanted it to be about and everything like that so um, that was a lot him a lot his story and me just kind of helping you know turn that hook and everything so that's song. a special one because i've been i'm even i've even like literally been to a funeral where they've played that song you know it's, nobody it's knows i'm writing it but song. it's just like okay if it can if i can write songs that mark people's events like that mm-hmm. and memories then then that's a special a special thing so uh and that's a thought you think it doesn't have to be somebody that's passed away it could just be like man i'm in this scenario my mm-hmm. dad or brother or wife or friend would love to be here mm-hmm. so that I, I thought that thought was Unique, and I was really excited that they uh, were able to have that kind of success with a ballad out of the gate like that. Oh, yeah. Ashley, thank you for being here, man. Oh, thanks um, for having me. Man. Whenever we talk about writers that you want to be like or, or, or who's the guy on their game, your name's always mentioned first. Oh, awesome. I mean, it's the pinnacle, you know, things that people talk about. I want that career. So yeah. it's awesome you be here, dude. i known you a long time, and I got to see that transition, and you surpassed so many people you know that it's crazy in the short time you've been here so um real proud i get to know you dude real proud i get to cut your songs yes, and i appreciate you being that. here yeah you had a hand in that for sure thank appreciate you. it knox country thanks for joining us on this episode of the knox country podcast special thanks go out to co-host mr Lacey griffin and producer donnie walker see you next time I don't know if one show is going to cover everything that he's done. Well, we're not going to cover everything he's done because we don't have enough time.
Yeah, no, I would love to do that, um, do this again, because there's like a ton. Of, we didn't talk about Bon Jovi. We didn't talk oh, about. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. There's been some like wild. That is a whole thing. There, there have been strange occurrences that I'm like, it's so funny. Those really? See, we're gonna we're gonna do a part two. Yeah, okay, we're gonna do, do a part two. Hey, this is Ashley Gorley. I just want to thank uh, Michael Knox in advance for recording. I forgot if it was two or three of my songs for the new Jason Aldean album. He hasn't done it yet, but I'm assuming he will now that I've done this interview. It's perfect. It's perfect. Cool. Uh, his bio is insane. It's like a novel. There's so much going on here. Please he, don't read it. Me up. <laughs> Part two. No. Knox Country. Podcast edition.